why don't people go for it? On their deathbeds, nobody regrets the decisions they made. Nobody regrets going for it, even when it doesn't work out. All of the times that you sent it and you really went for it and went for broke, like you don't regret that. You regret the things you never tried. If you wanna make a drastic change, if you wanna do something, maybe it's leaving a relationship, maybe it's getting into a relationship, maybe it's quitting a job, maybe it's starting a business, whatever that thing is for you that you haven't been able to do, maybe it's starting a nonprofit, whatever, right? Maybe it's taking a trip, I don't know. Um, if you can get yourself to come from a position of strength, that is the first step for you to feel safe enough to do it. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Jimmy Rex Show. And today on the podcast, this is another episode, episode number 14 of Real Men and Real Conversations. And I wanna start out with a tweet that I just read this morning from uh, Chris Williamson. He was my latest guest that I had on the podcast, spoke at our event last week. He says, ask the girl, shoot the shot, launch the business, run the ad, quit the job, take the risk. And then he quotes Alex Hermosi. He says, when you're 85 years old and on your deathbed, you're not going to wish you had fewer crazy stories. And I can attest to that. Uh, one of the things in my life that I'm most proud of is that I'm not afraid to send it. I'm willing to try things. I've tried a lot of things where people thought I was crazy. Some of them worked. Some of them did not. Uh, but every one of them, I'm glad I tried it. Right? I did this when I was... 19 years old, I decided to serve a two-year mission in Mexico. And uh, that was a full send. It seemed like the obvious thing at the time. But looking back, I'm like, wow, like that is really doing something crazy in life. And then I got back and I started this meat company up. And I started a TV show. And, uh, you know, so many of my favorite memories and things I just laugh about all the time came from some of these things that I did early on. And a lot of them ended up being, quote, unquote, failures financially, but the reality is, is they weren't, even though I maybe lost money in the end or didn't make any money on them. I learned so many different things and, you know, even getting into real estate and then, you know, going to Arizona state at the peak of my real estate career to go get a master's degree and trying a lot of these other things I did, you know, different trips that I put together and adventures and, and starting we are the they at the peak of my uh, absolute peak of my real estate career after being, you know, top agent in the state of Utah. And I started asking myself as I read that quote this morning, because I really believe that everything we want in life is on the other side of the f of, of fear. You know, the quality of your life is going to be uh, directly proportionate to the number of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. These are some of my favorite quotes and, and uh, mantras that I really live by. You know, we are the they. The whole concept is like, no, go for it. You do it. Nobody else is coming to save you. Nobody else is going to do it. If you don't do it, then who? If not us, then who? And all these mantras that play into my mind, my psyche, and what I do every single day. And so I was asking myself when I read that tweet, I said, why don't people go for it? What stops the people that aren't able to do it, right? We know that, you know, on their deathbeds, I wrote about this in my first book, you end up where you're heading, but on their deathbeds, nobody regrets the decisions they made. Nobody regrets going for it, even when it doesn't work out, right? Um, all of the times that you sent it and you really went for it and went for broke, like you don't regret that. You regret the things you never tried. So ultimately I started thinking about this and I said, all right, well, how can I help other people to take the plunge to really go for it? Right. I've been able to do this a lot in my life and to be able to, you know, remove myself from some, uh, situations that weren't the best for me. Um, 
you know, I mean, even leaving the religion of my youth was probably the most difficult thing I've ever done. I mean, for 30 years, it was my only way of life. And to kind of step outside of that, um, whether you believe I made the right decision or not is a very risky, very high risk, high reward move. And so what helps a person to be able to make those types of decisions ultimately is the question that, that, that gets asked. And so I started thinking about this and I, I kind of broke it down. I really mapped this out to see how can I teach this on a podcast in a way that'll help other people to be able to go for it. And so um, number one key that I wrote down is you have to come from a position of strength. And what I mean by this is like one thing I know about human beings is that we are designed to do what keeps us safe. Like we all have our nervous system, our entire subconscious mind, call it your ego, your monkey brain, monkey chatter, all those different things. It has one goal in mind, which is to keep you alive. I used to work at the Center for Women and Children in Crisis, and it was interesting because I worked there for about a year and it was where battered women would go. I had to go through this really in-depth training and it was like a secret location where so the guys couldn't come find the women there. It was kind of crazy. My job was to just play with the little kids that were there and help them get a male figure in their lives that, you know, throw baseballs with them or kick soccer balls or whatever, just so that they could trust, you know, masculine beings in their life. And it was very depressing work, if I'm being honest, because about I saw about 80 women come through that place and I saw 80 women go back to the person that was abusing them. Every single one of them would go back. And I've studied this a lot because I was fascinated by it, right? And what it is is, again, our uh, nervous system, our monkey brain, it all it's all designed to keep us alive. That's it. It's not designed to help us be happy or to give us a good life. It's only purpose is to keep us alive. And so we are fighting against this mechanism that will do anything to keep us alive. And so, for example, those women that went back to these men, to their subconscious or to their nervous system, they knew they could survive being with that person. It was a horrible situation, but subconsciously they knew they could survive it. So they'd go back to that because that was more safe than the unknown of what their life would be if they went out on their own or they didn't have that person with them. So it's kind of crazy and it kind of sounds ass backwards a little bit, but that's the reality of it. I saw the same thing. You know, we had a homeless guy that we took in one time when I had my meat business and we were so excited. I actually was, I went behind my warehouse. I was like 22 years old and there's this homeless guy that almost tripped over him, scared the shit out of me. But, um, and I like ran inside and my business partner was this big six, four dude from the Netherlands. I'm like, dude, there's a guy outside. I need your help. I need to get to the switch and I, I can't get around him. So we go out there and my business partner was like six, four, this dude from the Netherlands named Herman. And he's like, Hey, he's like, you want to work for us? And this homeless guy, long story short, he's like, sure. He starts working for us. Right. So we take him and we get him uh, a hotel for two weeks, you know, the in-town suites and in, you know, the ghetto part of town or whatever, you know, those ones you can rent them for a couple weeks at a time or whatever. And then we, you know, get him a shower and we got him a haircut. We bought him some groceries for two weeks, some new clothes. And we sent him out there our first day to go sell meat and he made like 275 bucks. I was pumped. I just, I thought we changed this dude's life. Like I'm just cloud nine. I'm thinking about just the end result of this guy's life being changed, you know? And long story short, he went out the next day, made some money again. We paid him up front because he said he didn't have any money. And so he was asking if we could get paid up front. And day three, he didn't show up. Day four, he didn't show up. So we went to look and see what was going on with him. And, uh, he didn't answer, but we had a key to his door. And so we open it, uh, me and Herman, and there was like shit 
everywhere, like hundreds of items. The dude had been dumpster diving and was bringing it all back to the hotel room. I remember there was like a giant hole that he'd burned in the carpet. We ended up having to pay like $800 to get fixed. But long story short, we we're like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? You know, like you, you didn't show up for work. He's like, thanks guys. This, this just isn't for me. You know, we're like, okay, but this isn't a vacation. Like you need to be out by four. And he's like, well, didn't you guys pay for two weeks? We're like, yeah, but that was, if you were going to be working and he just said, okay. And he went out back on the streets in middle of January in Utah. Crazy. It was freezing outside. But to this guy, he was more comfortable. He felt more safe being homeless and living in the streets, dumpster diving than he did with the expectations or whatever came with having to show up and, and hold a job and do all that. And it really messed with me a little bit because I'd never seen the mental aspect of homelessness and some of these issues that I think society faces. It's kind of funny, by the way, like side note, but you know, so many of society's problems, whether it be border abortion, the homelessness problem, like you name, there's so many of them, right? Gun laws, all these different things. They're just not easy things to solve. And I think most people, I'd say 95 to 99% of people think that their method is the correct thing for society. Like they're trying to do good. Um, they just ultimately have different views of how that works. Um, and so they're just complicated issues. They're just very difficult to solve, to be honest. And um, when you start talking about the mental health stuff and homeless people and that whole thing, I don't know what the answer is. So I'm the last guy that's going to get on here and tell you I have answers. But at the end of the day, I saw it for the first time as like, oh, this dude just literally feels more safe doing that than he did working for us. And so anyways, I, I use those examples because... Um, if you want to make a drastic change, if you want to do something, maybe it's leaving a relationship, maybe it's getting into a relationship, maybe it's quitting a job, maybe it's starting a business, whatever that thing is for you that you haven't been able to do, maybe it's starting a nonprofit, whatever, right? Maybe it's taking a trip. I don't know. Um, if you can get yourself to come from a position of strength, that is the first step for you to feel safe enough to do it. So when I started weird the day, so just as, as an example, you know, I kind of, I was being called to do this. I knew I needed to start this program. But I also, uh, my last two years in real estate were the best two years I ever had. I had multiple seven-figure commission years, um, amazing years, and, and it was really going to be uh, a lot less money coming to me as I turned over my real estate team to some other people to run the day-to-day -day stuff, and I was just going to stay as I have the face of it. And so um, I had to come from a position of strength. Thankfully, I'd had a couple investments do really well. I had a bunch of properties I'd bought and paid off a lot of. Um, I had somebody to turn my real estate team over to Tyler that I knew would be able to run it and manage it and give the clients the same experience they were getting with me. And so there was just a lot of reasons why I was able to do that. But even then I started it in November of that year, 2021, I didn't turn my real estate team over completely for six months. That's when I went all in on weird. That's when I really turned it over to Tyler was in the end of April, that following year that's when I finally felt safe enough to truly turn it all over. And so again, you have to come from a position of strength. And so I knew by then that the thing was working. I knew that my team would work. I knew that I had money saved up or investments if I needed. And so I was able to come from a position of strength. Well, why does that matter? Because it allows you to do it the right way, right? It wasn't a money grab for me. It wasn't, uh, I didn't need it to make me a ton of money to keep doing it the right way. If problems came up, I was able financially to just, cover the difference. So like one of the things that came up for us, we were in the Bahamas and long story short, I ended up having to charter a flight for everybody to go to another Island and it cost a bunch of money, but I was able to do it because 
again, I wasn't necessarily needing the money to pay my bills or put food on the table. And so coming from a position of strength will really give you a lot of confidence in doing this. The second thing is you got to ask yourself a couple of really good questions. The first question is, can I live with the worst case scenario? This is the first question I ask everybody when they're deciding if they should buy a property in real estate, right? We've sold thousands and thousands of real estate properties to people now. And I always ask them, what's the worst case scenario and can you live with it? And one of the problems people have is they don't even know what the worst case scenario is. They haven't even done the, the math or they haven't even figured out what that looks like. Like if the worst case scenario is the house is going to cash flow $200 a month, but you can't sell it because it drops in value, you're probably fine buy the property. But if the worst case scenario is going to be upside down $800 a month, you're going to be uh, upside down hundred grand on the house if the market changes and you know rates are going up and you're not going to be able to sell it and all these different things, you don't have any money, you got a real problem on your hands. And so the first question, the second question you want to ask here again is, can I live with the worst case scenario? And then you got to ask yourself some other questions like, okay, what skills do I need that I don't currently have to do this thing? Like I was talking to a guy on a coaching call and he wants to start this nonprofit to help kids learn different skills. And I said, okay, well, what skills do you need? What information do you need or knowledge do you need that you don't have? Who has that knowledge? Who has that information? Who could you either partner with? Who could you hire as a coach or mentor? Or who could you try to, uh, you know, get around or at least soak up that information from? Maybe it's in a book, maybe it's in a course, maybe it's in a conversation you can have with them so that you can learn those things. And then who do you need to do this thing with you, right? When I started my real estate team, I needed somebody to do all the back end stuff, you know, um, do the contracts, do the paperwork, do the transaction coordination, do, you know, put up the signs in the key box and take the pictures and all the things. I needed somebody that was opposite of me because I hated doing all of that. I never wanted to, I literally didn't write an offer for the last 10 years in my business. Um, but I found the perfect partner that was able to do that. So you want to ask yourself, who do I need in my life or who do I need to do this with to make it work? Um, same thing when I started We Are The They, you know, I need somebody that could do funnels and podcasts. And, you know, I found Brett who was excellent at all those things. And so you want to ask yourself a few of those questions, right? Like, who do I need to make this work? And again, like Ed Milet spoke in my conference last week and he talked about that the successful people have an ability to act without needing all the information. And while that is true, what I'm teaching you here is the basic information that if you have this, it's going to push you over the edge so that you'll actually take action. And so while there's a lot of honor and just going YOLO, I'm going to go for it, live and let live, like, let's go for it. Um, most people won't. And so this is information I'm trying to give you to help push you into doing the thing that you know you need to do or stop doing the thing you need to stop doing. So then the next question you ask yourself is who benefits by my doing this, right? Like I knew when I started, we are the they, it was the program I wish my dad had found. I knew how much it was going to affect the kids of the men that joined the program. So when I was picking one of my original 50 guys, I had 147 applicants. I went through their Facebook and Instagram files and I looked at their kids. I wanted to see who this was going to be affected. I wanted to see who this was going to benefit down the line, but also who suffers if you don't do it. Right. I mean, that's one of the things that's ironic about most of the decisions like this that we make is like, we wouldn't even know what we don't know if it never happened. Like nobody would miss we are the day if I never started because it just wouldn't be a thing. But instead, there's hundreds of guys that have friendships, deep lasting friendships for a lifetime, experiences of a lifetime, um, adventures of a lifetime. They've been able to, you know, cure childhood wounds and, and you know, and, and inner child wounds and, and, and be able to go to depths with their relationships they never thought possible with their spouse and their kids. And they show up in every way better. And we wouldn't have ever even known this was something that we needed if I hadn't taken that risk and done it. And so you got to ask yourself, like, who, you know, who will it, who will suffer if, if you don't do it? 
um, and getting clarity around that will help you to take action. So um, the next thing on this is really important is you can't take things personal. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make and that holds them back from making big decisions is they take everything so damn personal. Back when I was calling for sale by owners, this is kind of funny, right? Like I would call 30 to 50 a day and I played this game where I never hung up. So they had to hang up on me. So every single person that I was calling would eventually hang up on me. And I remember I had, a, I had people would always come shout on me to watch me make these calls. And I remember one guy, he shouted me one time and the ladies screamed at me and she yelled at me and hung up, right? And he's like, oh my gosh, dude, these people hate you. I could never do this. I was like, what are you talking about? They don't hate me. They don't even know who I am. I said, watch this. I literally pick up the phone. I called the same lady back and I'm like, hey, you just yelled at me. I'm a realtor and you hung up on me. She goes, what do you want? I said, what's my name? She's like, I don't know your name. I was like, okay, that's it. Thanks. I'm like, dude, it's just not personal. But see, we have this ego, we have this sense of self that like we all think that everything's so damn important to it, like that everything's so freaking personal. It's just not, like we're just not personal. Like if somebody cuts you off on the freeway, it's not about you. You don't have to yell or get upset about it. If somebody's mean to you in the grocery store, it's not about you. You don't have to get mad about it, right? Like here's some advice I have for single guys. Like if you're afraid to ask the girl out, it's because you're in your own head. Like 95% of the time, if you ask a girl out and you're, look, there's a basic sense of taking care of yourself you have to have, okay? Like go to the gym, be in decent enough shape, get some decent style, get some cool friends, live an adventurous life. Like just do the basics and go start asking women out. Like you will have women to go out with every single day. But we don't do it because we're so afraid of the rejection from the woman. But here's the truth of it, you guys. This is what I've discovered. 95% of the time, if a woman denies you like a date or like ask her out or whatever, she says no, it has nothing to do with you. And that's such an empowering thing to know because anytime I go approach a girl or go try to get somebody's number or ask somebody out, like I'm not taking it personal if they say no. I used to. That's how I know how I got over this. But like ultimately, they're either hung up on some other guy. They're either dating some other guy. They're either uh, wanting to date some other guy. Like it has nothing to do with you most of the time. And so just knowing that, you can go ask them out. And if it doesn't go well, who cares? You go ask out the next person. Like it's just not that personal. And I know that sounds a little less romantic, but at the end of the day, like that's what stops you. Like the only reason, because by the way, whether it's in sales whether it's asking somebody out, whatever the thing is you're not doing, your answer is no if you don't do it. So logically, it makes no sense not to go try because you're already in your worst case scenario if you don't do the thing. But we have so much person, personal emotion attached to the outcome of the person's answer that it prevents us from even doing it in the first place. So like when it came to starting my podcast, you know, this was, this was a big one. I, I knew I needed to start this podcast. I knew it could affect a lot of people. I knew I could make something amazing out of this. And I sat on the idea from the moment I knew I was doing it, I sat on the idea for six full months because I didn't have the skills or the knowledge to do it. I needed some people to help me do it. And I was a little bit worried what people would think. I was afraid I'd say the wrong thing and get canceled, all these different worries that came into my mind. It wasn't until I made a shift and said, who benefits if I actually do this? And I can tell you, it's been one of the gifts of my life to have this podcast because for better or worse, like almost daily, somebody comes up to me and talks about how a different episode is affecting, affecting them. Um, I had a lady just today, she said, hey, your episode number 509, I finally understand why my husband needs to have close friends in his life. I'm so glad you posted that. I never really understood him before. It's a small thing, but it's also everything, right? And so my point is, is like, when you kind of have a higher purpose for why you're doing this, then all of a sudden the how and the what, you figure it out. 
You've got to get clarity on that why. If it's just about the money, like most things in life, like you'll have enough money and you're it's just it's not going to be very motivating. You have to push through that and have a bigger reason or you'll never make it what it needs to be. And uh, so a couple of questions to ask yourself as you're trying to figure out your higher purpose. Okay, well, what is the thing I need to do? Like if a lot of people, a lot of you guys already know, there's something you need to stop doing. There's something you need to start doing. There's a decision you need to make. There's a relationship you need to either fix or leave or whatever. And you're not doing it. Um, but for some of you guys, you're trying to figure out what it is still. So a couple of questions to ask yourself. Number one is what comes naturally to me that feels like work for most people? That's a brilliant question because that's your gift. Okay. And then the second one, is just basically the same question, but what gift do I have that I can share with the world? So same thing, like when I was starting this coaching group, I have total imposter syndrome. I'm like, who am I to tell these people how to live their lives, right? Like I have plenty of things I haven't figured out. There's a lot of guys in a lot better shape than me. Uh, I'm not even in a relationship, let alone have a family and kids and understand how that whole dynamic works. I'm like, I'm not the guy to do this. But I was able to zero in on my one gift that I have, the thing that I think I do the best out of anybody, which is help men connect on a deep level, friendship. I was like, oh my gosh, I know exactly how to do this. So I just doubled down and tripled down on that thing, knowing that that's the gift that I could give. And I just taught people all these things that I had learned. And you know, people ask me now, they're like, well, Jimmy, what qualifies you to have this coaching group? Well, here's a little secret, you guys. I'm figuring a lot of this out as I go, but I'm studying my ass off. I'm bringing in the right people. I'm not trying to teach anything I haven't learned firsthand. We talk about parenting. Trust me, I'm the last guy giving advice, but I have learned a lot about human behavior, which translates. And then I bring in experts to help me with those things. Same thing with every aspect of life, right? Like right now, I have a guy coming on our call tomorrow, group four is in, in the second part of the course, which is all about you know physical fitness and health and all those things. And the guy I'm bringing in to teach us has about 5% body fat. He's one of the healthiest, fittest humans I know. And I'm going to let him teach these guys some of the things he's learned. Like part of, again, like the reason I'm qualified to do this. So go back to that question the person asked me. He's like, well, what qualifies you to do this? I'm just the guy doing it. That's it. That's the whole trick. Like I'm just the guy that's doing it, but I took massive action. I went all in, right? Like I turned over everything else I was doing in my life and went all in on this thing. And that's what qualifies me to do it. And that's why you're qualified. Whatever thing that you think you're doing, whatever it is, you, there is a little bit of imposter syndrome. There always is. Like Ed said this from the stage when he was speaking at my event, Ed Milet. He said, he said, or maybe it was somebody else. But anyway, he said, there's, it's pure idiots all the way to the top. Like none of us know what we're doing. That's the big secret. Like we're all kind of winging it in life in general. When you're a kid, you thought your parents knew what you were, they were doing. But then you get to be an adult and you're like, oh, my parents didn't have a damn clue what they were doing. You thought your school teachers were all brilliant geniuses. Turns out they weren't. Turns out they were probably, most of them were below average elementary school teachers. That's just what they were, right? I mean, they just were. Like you think all cops are the best humans. Well, turns out a lot of them have a lot of angerness built up inside and they're not exactly your, you know, cream of the crop in a lot of ways. Like every profession, all these people that you thought just had life figured out, I can't tell you how many influencers I've been around. It's the big secret in the industry. Like all of these guys that are on the stages and doing the, the things like they don't know what they're doing, but here's why there's so much honor in it. They're still willing to take that imperfect action. They're still willing to push it. They're still willing to go for it. That's why I have so much love and respect for them. Like I see a lot of them get ripped online and, and there's a lot of kids in their twenties that are trying to teach way before they should be. Like, I'm so glad I didn't decide to do this till my late thirties, early forties. Cause I lived enough life to have enough personal experience. I feel like I have some things to share, 
But God bless them. They're trying. They're putting themselves out there. They're trying to do something. I don't think that's their best use of time and effort right now. But to their credit, they're at least trying and they're putting themselves out there. So like at the end of the day, I'm just encouraging you guys like to take the imperfect action. The only difference between the successful and unsuccessful people is that the successful people have merely learned to do things, not needing it to work, not needing to have the outcome, not needing to know how it's going to go. They do the things the other people don't want to do. And that's what qualifies them to do it. So hopefully listening to this, like, again, it's not designed, like the whole reason I shared all this was to help you to make those decisions that maybe you've been sitting on, those decisions that you still haven't been able to do. Going back to the original tweet, right? Ask out the girl, shoot the shot, launch the, uh, the business, run the ad, quit the job, take the risk. What is it that you're holding back on? What thing eats at you every day that if you don't do something about it, you know you're going to regret it? And by the way, I shared a video on my Instagram pretty a short time ago from Ed Milet about the four D's and it's the ways that, you know, the adversary gets you to, uh, to fall short. And the fourth one is he'll get you to delay. He'll just get you to put it off and put it off and put it off until eventually it's too late to do the thing. So what is it that you're holding back on? What thing do you need to do? What thing can you push forward on? That's going to move the needle the most in your life. This is my invitation and my blessing to go for it. Thanks for being with me. We'll see you next week. Thank you.